0: Weddings are emotion-charged events, milestones in the lives of all involved. My first cousin was visiting recently, and as the good southern woman she is, told an entertaining story concerning the wedding of her nephew and his girlfriend. This nephew grew up in a dysfunctional family system, and all are thrilled that he survived relatively well. My cousin prefaced the story with, it was not a traditional wedding. They didn't want a church venue and instead chose a local park area for an outdoor wedding. Although my cousin was skeptical of what the bridal party and guests of the young people would be wearing, she was surprised to see her nephew in a suit. Well, as is the fate of getting married in Arkansas regardless of the month, It was an extremely warm October day. Oh, and by the way, my cousin is an accomplished cake baker and decorator. So she had made a gorgeous cake with sugary red roses on top that cascaded down the sides. She also caters for events and had prepared a host of dishes to be consumed after the ceremony. The wedding is to set... Uh, is set to start at a certain time but no bride has shown up they all wait nervously sweating anticipating the cake to dissolve without warning and the potato salad to develop bacteria (laughs) 45 minutes past the time for the wedding the bride appears it was a setting for the perfect storm Why would Jesus choose one of the most fragile events with potential for mishap and even disaster as a setting for a parable about the kingdom of God? Weddings in Jesus' day were just as emotionally laden as today's. Guests assembled at the home of the bride and were entertained by her parents while waiting for the groom. When the bridegroom approached, the bridal party and others formed a festive procession out to meet him and continue with him to his home where his parents were waiting for the ceremony, an extended banquet that would last for several days. Now, in this case, we don't know why, but the bridegroom was terribly late, so much that some of the party, including some bridesmaids, fell asleep. The groom has been delayed, our gospel tells us. The delay of the second coming of Christ and the reign of God created a problem for Christian theology almost from the beginning. By the year 50 CE, common error, just 20 years after Jesus' death, some of the Apostle Paul's converts are already growing a little restless. Their loved ones are dying, and Christ has not returned. Paul explains to the Thessalonians that the Lord will come like a thief in the night and that they should therefore keep awake and be sober. In our reading for today from Thessalonians, Paul assures them that God will bring with him those who have died. The dead in Christ will rise from the dead to join with the living, to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. By the time of the 2nd century CE and 2nd Peter was written, restlessness turned to impatience and even mocking. Where is the promise of his coming? For ever since our ancestors died, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. This is when the early Christians are reminded, With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some think of slowness, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. That's from Second Peter 3. I wanted you to see that our story from Matthew's gospel falls somewhere in between Paul's letter and Second Peter. And it offers simple and fairly flat advice. Stay ready. In Matthew's story, all the maids who are waiting to accompany the groom start to doze. Then at midnight, there's a shout that awakens them Look, here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. So some have stocked up on oil and are found ready, but the others have not and are therefore shut out. What if this parable didn't start with labeling the women as some foolish and some wise? What if the ten young women took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom, and as they walked together, they asked one another, Did you bring extra oil? You know it could be a long evening. Can the church be a community where we can help one another through the long days and nights of waiting? Can we ask one another, What do you need to keep going? What is the oil in the parable? Some have said the oil is love, others faith or tradition or church teaching. Jesus will fill in the metaphor at the end of this chapter when he tells us that the oil has everything to do with caring for the least among us who are members of Jesus' family. What is distinctive about the parable is its focus on the delayed return of the expected one. The passage does not simply call for right action in the groom's absence. It calls for recognition that he may be delayed. Waiting is not something we do well in today's society. When we wait for something that we fear will not be good news, or when it is made even harder by delay, can we assure people that they will not wait alone? The obvious tragedy in the parable is that the five bridesmaids took no oil at all. They didn't run out, they just didn't bring any, making no plans, anticipating no delay. Surely there is something to learn there. But the less obvious but also poignant tragedy is that the five who had brought flask of oil (coughs) would not share. Why do they assume they won't have enough to share? Can we also learn from the wise but miserly bride and not force people to wait alone so that no one in our communities has the isolating experience of being locked out? We often wonder what we can do as communities of faith to make what we offer more attractive to a culture increasingly disinterested with organized religion. Can we offer ourselves as a genuine community in a world where more and more people feel isolated? A community that celebrates together? Can we be a community that slows down to prepare together, that waits together, make sure when the waiting is the hardest part that no one, not one person, has to wait alone? The waiting is the hardest part. We can't change that reality, but we can change the experience by waiting together in Christian solidarity, community, and fellowship. In fact, just a few days ago, my lamp ran dry. It had quite simply been a hectic, heartbreaking, disillusioned few days. Taking care of others was catching up with me. Isn't this what I signed on for as God's minister? Mm -hmm. Except I walked away so disheartened at my own inability to really do anything but listen and pray. I spoke a reminder of God's constant presence, and yet it didn't seem to make any difference. So I sought comfort through talks with God. I sought support through calling on a friend to counsel me. This friend held out the promise for me that the oil is always there for our lamps. All we have to do is receive it. Today's parable does not speak of there being a shortage of oil for our lamps. It speaks only of these five bridesmaids forgetting that they would need it, as I sometimes do. So maybe keeping awake, as we are told to do in Jesus' words, is simply this knowing that I have all that I need to try to keep awake. If only I will receive it. And that has to be enough on those days when our hearts break at the pain and suffering in this world. For long we cannot alter or change it, but we can keep our lamps full of oil, waiting. The kind of waiting Matthew has in mind is similar. It is the kind of waiting during which it is hard to determine how to wait. Really, how do we wait for those events that fill the day? How do we feel these times of waiting to hear of another instance of racial oppression, of another news report of gun violence, of further Me Too incidents, Of yet one more demonstration that deems a person less than because of their sexual identity. Of apparent bigotry. Is my lamp and yours burning ready to call out the injustice that we see? Are the lamps ready so as to give witness to the righteousness of God? Are they filled with oil to be ready for the long haul of resistance and persistence? When Christ comes and calls out our continued complacency about the things that undermine the kingdom of heaven, what will be our response? Do you identify with the bridesmaid's lack of preparedness in your everyday life and in your life of faith? It is hard to wait with faith in darkness, knowing our resources have run out. How might you even now allow your lamp to be filled For there is surely enough oil, enough hope, enough promise to carry us through. What would it look like for you to simply receive it? So perhaps our challenge is to keep enough oil on hand for lamps when the bridegroom appears, to roll up our sleeves and work for the kingdom that is always coming and breathing into history. We all have fears. Some are facing surgery, illness, or loss of a job. Here's the good news. The bridegroom will come. He's not delayed. He still appears in our lives. His love will surround us in surprising and unexpected ways. Christ comes when Christian people live in hope and never give up. Christ comes when his faithful disciples express love and compassion and work for justice. Christ comes when critically ill people know they are ultimately safe in God's love. Bishop Jake Owensby, Diocese of Western Louisiana, said this so well. He said, the loving presence of God is already near you, all around you. Be open to it. Let go of whatever obscures the divine presence from you or let you distance yourself from it. Surprisingly, when we reach out in compassion, God is always reaching out for us. The Holy Spirit can heal our inmost sense of defeat. God will find us. Jesus opens this parable by telling us it is about the kingdom of God. Is the kingdom right under my nose? Is it in the love of children? Is it in that moment when I reach out to someone and they reject me? God is presenting this piece of the kingdom to me, no one else. I can be so engrossed in my own life or so fearful of being too involved with another that I can simply miss those moments. When I stay awake... When I really pay attention, God shows up. He fills my lamp with more oil, and I know the kingdom is near. Amen.